few topics in the church today are as divisive as the controversy surrounding the third secret of Fatima. I suppose at some point I should do a video on the point I'm about to make, since it would take at least a short 10-minute video to really do it justice, so bear that in mind. The third secret of Fatima was never fully revealed. Yes, in 2000, we received from the Vatican a text purporting to be the third secret, but numerous investigators of various viewpoints on this have all agreed that there, what, what we were shown and what was revealed was only a partial text, not the full secret. And the interpretation of the text we received has been, frankly, laughed off as pure propaganda. Every warning from Our Lady that involves a vision given to the purported seers comes with an explanation from Our Lady. And the words of the Virgin at Fatima regarding the various visions of the bishop in white has never been released by the Vatican, though numerous credible reports from Vatican insiders attest to two written documents being given to the popes from the 1950s onward, each of different lengths. What I have today is pretty straightforward. The third secret may have been released at least piecemeal by various popes and their representatives from the 1930s onward, suggesting that at least elements of that third secret were known by the authorities in Rome before they were formally written down, and suggesting that the popes attempted to release the information as best they could, which itself suggests some serious problems with papal authority in the modern era. For more insight on that, see my video from this past Monday on Benedict, Vigano, and Gonswine. But first, some context. Here is the famous text of the vision as released by the Vatican in 2000. I write in obedience to you, my God, who command me to do so through His Excellency the Bishop of Lyra, and through your Most Holy Mother and mine. After the two parts which I have already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand, flashing. It gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire, but they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing to the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance! 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 And we saw in an immense light that is God, something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it, a bishop dressed in white. We had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks, as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city, half in ruins and half trembling with halting step. Afflicted with pain and sorrow, he prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him. And in the same way, there died, one after another, the other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross there were two angels, each with a crystal aspergillium in his hand, in which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. End quote. Those were the words of Sister Lucia, given to the Vatican in the 1950s and released in 2000. And that will probably not be the last time I read that text in full. Covering the third secret of Fatima is a monumental task, as the very existence and continued work 
of organizations like the Fatima Center attest. But most importantly, it is worth noting here that the words of Our Lady that explained this vision were never released. Instead, the faithful were given the words of Cardinal Ratzinger, or at least it's alleged to have been from Cardinal Ratzinger, and even I'm skeptical of that, who it was obvious didn't seem comfortable saying that this message was about the attempt on John Paul II's life back in the early 1980s. Yet that is what was being claimed in 2000. If you ever want to see how ridiculous this looks, there's a video on the internet of John Venari reading the text of that I just read to you, and then reading the official account of the assassination attempt on John Paul II, side by one after the other. And everyone in the room starts laughing, because it's obvious they're not the same message. So instead, I offer you an alternative hypothesis, and the evidence for it comes from several of the important Fatima popes prior to 2000. So let's get into this. Our journey takes us to the statements of three popes making three critical statements at three different points in history. Three popes, three statements, that suggest that the third secret has quietly and in part been revealed. Though not to the public, as was asked by Our Lady 103 years ago in Fatima, Portugal, the message is one of a loss of faith, and a rise of impurity and sin leading to a rejection of the faith. This sounds familiar, it is actually sort of the message of almost all the major warning apparitions for the last 500 years. When taken with the full message of Fatima, this situation in the world today is the cause of many, many souls being led into hell, a situation caused, at least in part if not in whole, by the role the Church has chosen to play in the revolution in the Church itself. This message is extraordinary, and if I am right, then at least three popes have attempted to warn about it, but did not release the secret verbatim, as requested by Our Lady all those years ago. But here are the statements by the three different popes in history. The first is the famous statement by future Pius XII, then Cardinal Eugenio Pacelli, in 1933. His statements were made in a letter to his friend, Count Enrico Pietro Galesi. At the time, Cardinal Pacelli served as the Secretary of State under Pius XI, and as such was one who would have had access to Sister Lucia of Fatima, and any correspondence between her and Pius XI. However, for context, it is worth noting that the mysterious third secret was not formally written down by Sister Lucia for another 11 years, 1944, so Pacelli's knowledge of the secret would have been based on conversations he had with Sister Lucia and the local ordinary of the diocese that Fatima is located within. But enough of that. These are the words of Pius XII to Count Galizzi. Suppose, dear friend, that communism is the most visible among the organs of subversion against the Church and the tradition of divine revelation. Thus we will witness the invasion of everything that is spiritual, philosophy, science, law, teaching, the arts, the media, literature, theater, and religion. I am concerned about the confidences of the Virgin to the little Lucia of Fatima. This persistence of the good lady in face of the danger that threatens the church is a divine warning against the suicide that the alteration of the faith in its liturgy, its theology, and its soul would represent. I hear around me innovators who wish to dismantle the sacred chapel, destroy the universal flame of the church, reject her ornaments, and make her remorseful for her, her historical past. Well, my dear friend, I am convinced that the church of Peter must affirm her past, or else she will dig her own grave. I will fight this battle with the greatest energy on the inside of the church, just as outside of it, even if the forces of evil may one day take advantage of my person, my actions, or my writings, as they try today to deform the history of the church. All human heresies which alter the word of God 
are so that a greater light might appear. These underdeveloped peoples will save the church, eminence. A day will come when the civilized world will deny its God, when the church will doubt, as Peter doubted. She will be tempted to believe that man has become God, that his only son is a symbol, a philosophy like so many others. And in churches, Christians will search for the red lamp where Jesus awaits them, like the sinful woman crying out before the empty tomb. Where have they taken him? Then priests will rise up from Africa, from Asia, from America, formed here in this seminary of the missions, who will say and who will proclaim that the bread of life is not ordinary bread, that the mother of God, man, is not a mother like others. And they will be cut to pieces to testify that Christianity is not a religion like others, since her head is the Son of God, and the church is his church. End quote. That letter, in hindsight, is chilling. One of the little-known facts of history is that the modernists had been calling for a council for decades before they finally got one in 1962. John XXIII had been prepared with orthodox-sounding documents that left little room for ambiguity in their implementation, some of which I have recorded for this channel for those interested in hearing them. Those documents were thrown out in the initial weeks of the council by the modernists, and replaced with documents that we have today, and theological chaos has reigned ever since. If anything, the internal life of the church itself has been greatly disrupted as a consequence, to put it mildly, with vocations collapsing immediately after the council, a plague of predatory impurity sweeping across those in the clerical state, and countless victims left in its wake, and of course, the collapse of religious life and the spread of the contagion of error, all of this set to the backdrop of an impurity revolution going on in the Western world. The second statement of note now comes from John Paul II. In his homily at Fatima on May 13, 1982, there are some incredible comments made here by John Paul II, and many Fatima researchers believe that this statement can be understood to be at least a partial revealing of the third secret, though not in a form that would adhere to the request by Our Lady at Fatima to make what she showed and told the children known all those years ago. Here's the homily of John Paul II from that day. The message of Fatima is, in its basic nucleus, a call to conversion and repentance, as in the Gospel. This call was uttered at the beginning of the 20th century, and it was thus addressed particularly to this present century. The Lady of the Message seems to have read with special insight the signs of the times, the signs of our time. The call to repentance is a motherly one, and at the same time it is strong and decisive. The love that rejoices in the truth, see 1 Corinthians chapter 13, is capable of being clear and cut. I call to repentance, the call to repentance is linked, as always, with a call to prayer. In harmony with the tradition of many centuries, the Lady of the Message indicates the rosary, which can rightly be defined as Mary's prayer, the prayer in which she feels particularly united with us. She herself prays with us. The rosary prayer embraces the problems of the Church, of the See of St. Peter, the problems of the whole world. In it we also remember sinners, that they may be converted and saved, and the souls in purgatory. The words of the message were addressed to children, aged from 7 to 10. Children, like Bernadette of Lourdes, are particularly privileged in these apparitions of the Mother of God, hence the fact that also her language is simple within the limits of their understanding. The children of Fatima became partners in dialogue with the Lady of the Message and collaborators with her. One of them is still living. When Jesus on the cross said, Woman, behold your son, see John chapter 19, verse 26, in a new way he opened his mother's heart. 
the Immaculate Heart, and reveal to it the new dimensions and extent of the love to which she was called in the Holy Spirit by the power of the sacrifice of the cross. In the words of Fatima, we seem to find this dimension of motherly love, whose range covers the whole of man's path towards God, the path that leads through this world and that goes through purgatory beyond this world. The solicitude of the mother of the Savior is solicitude for the work of salvation, the work of her son. It is solicitude for the salvation, the eternal salvation of all. Now that 65 years have passed since that 13th May 1917, it is difficult to fail to notice how the range of the salvific love of the mother embraces, in a particular way, our century. In the light of mother's love, we understand that the whole message of the Lady of Fatima, the greatest obstacle to man's journey towards God is sin, perseverance in sin, and finally, denial of God. The deliberate blotting out of God from the, whole, from the world of human thought, the detachment from him, the whole man's earthly activity, the rejection of God by man. In reality, the eternal salvation of man is only in God. Man's rejection of God, if it becomes definitive, leads logically to God's rejection of man. See Matthew chapter 7 verse 23 and chapter 10 verse 33. To damnation. Can the mother, who with all the force of the love that she fosters in the Holy Spirit, desire everyone's salvation, keep silent on what undermines the very basis of their salvation? No, she cannot. And so while the message of Our Lady of Fatima is a motherly one, it is also strong and decisive. It sounds severe. It sounds like John the Baptist speaking out on the banks of the Jordan. It invites to repentance. It gives a warning. It calls to prayer. It recommends the rosary. The message is addressed to every human being. The love of the Savior's mother reaches every place touched by the work of salvation. Her care extends to every individual of our time and to all the societies and nations and peoples. Societies menaced by apostasy, threatened by moral degradation. The collapse of morality involves the collapse of societies. Prior to this, in November of 1980, John Paul II spoke to a group of German Catholics in Fulda, Germany. Here is the full text of that conversation. The Holy Father was asked, What about the Third Secret of Fatima? Should it not have already been published by 1960? John Paul II replied, Given the seriousness of the contents, my predecessors in the Petrine office diplomatically preferred to postpone publication so as not to encourage the world power of communism to make certain moves. On the other hand, it should be sufficient for all Christians to know this. If there is a message in which it is written that the oceans will flood whole areas of the earth, and that from one moment to the next, millions of people will perish, truly the publication of such a message is no longer something to be so much desired. The Pope continued, Many wish to know simply from curiosity, and a taste for the sensational, but they forget that knowledge also implies responsibility. They only seek the satisfaction of their curiosity, and that is dangerous, if at the same time they are not disposed to do something, and if they are convinced that it is impossible to do anything against evil. At this point, the Pope grasped a rosary and said, Here is the remedy against this evil. Pray, pray, and ask for nothing more. Leave everything else to the Mother of God. The Holy Father was then asked, what is going to happen to the church? He answered, We must prepare ourselves to suffer great trials before long, such as will demand of us a disposition to give up even life, and a total dedication to Christ and for Christ. With your and my prayer, it is possible to mitigate this tribulation, but it is no longer possible to avert it, 
because only thus can the church be effectively renewed. How many times has the renewal of the church sprung from blood? This time, too, it will not be otherwise. We must be strong and prepared and trust in Christ and his mother. Be very, very assiduous in praying the rosary. End quote. In 1984, the third pope, shall we say, to reveal the essential elements of the secret was the future Pope Benedict XVI, then Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger. I am making reference to his statements about the apparition of Our Lady Vakita, which I go into much greater detail about in my video on that apparition. But in short, the message of Akita was this, quote, As I told you, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all humanity. It will be punishment greater than the deluge, such as one will never have seen before. Fire will fall from the sky, and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, sparing neither priests nor faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. The only arms that will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Each day recite the prayers of the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the pope, the bishops, and the priests. The work of the devil will infiltrate even the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against other bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confreres. Churches and altars sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromise and the demon will press many priests and consecrated souls to leave the service of the Lord. The demon will be especially implacable against souls consecrated to God. The thought of the loss of so many souls is the cause of my sadness. If sins increase in number and gravity, there will no longer be pardon for them. End quote. Cardinal Ratzinger, in 1984, was asked if this message was similar to that of the Third Secret of Fatima, to which he replied that they were essentially the same message. And this brings me back to possibly the most controversial figure in the Fatima story, Father Malachi Martin. Famously, he claimed to have seen and read the message, and when he worked for the for what we should refer to as the arch-modernist in Rome, Cardinal Bea, a figure who is often far overlooked too much in the analysis of the catastrophe of Vatican II. Numerous times, Martin was asked about the Third Secret, and <laughs> numerous times, he was presented violent images of catastrophe and calamity, material chastisement and destruction, and every time, he would say the real message was worse. How? Why was it worse? Most people miss the point of the Fatima message, which is this. Faithlessness and sin and apostasy begins at the top of the church, and many, many souls are led to hell because of it. At the core of the issue seems to be impurity and sin, the turn away from the faith, and the embrace of the sins of the flesh. The three parts of the Fatima message cannot be taken separate from one another. Recall that the first secret of Fatima was the famous vision of hell, with souls floating in the flame like embers, to which Our Lady explained to the small children that more souls go to hell because of sins of the flesh than for any other reason. The third secret was to be read in 1960, because, according to Sister Lucia, Our Lady said at that time the situation would be more clear. As I said in my video on the subject of Our Lady of America, the years immediately leading to 1960 were overtly impure, set the stage for the sexual revolution that has gripped the world since. If we take Pius XII's warning and John Paul II's homily at face value and his statements to the uh, people in full Germany, the culprit of all of this is sin. The truly bizarre thing that follows the revolution of the 1960s in the church is that much of the talk of sin from the church has diminished, if not disappeared entirely. 
replaced with the language of dialogue and accompaniment. How long has it been since you heard a homily at a Nova Soto parish on the four last things? I want you to think about that for a while. But repentance is rarely, if ever, spoken of. And the situation grows stranger by the day as a consequence. It is because the consequence of altering the church's liturgy and theology, as we saw in the 1960s, it ha is it because of that it has led of that that we now have what looks like a suicide of the faith unfolding in front of us, a sort of rise of faithlessness among even church leaders. Has the apostasy truly started already, or are we merely in its warm-up stages? I suppose we won't know for sure until it's over, but one thing is certain. The situation in the church has direct consequences to the life of the world. And by all accounts, this situation leads only to one place. A material cataclysm of chastisement of some kind. Likely at least involving a major war with Russia being instrumental in this war, as it was instrumental in spreading errors around the world. So should we be surprised that impurity and sin in the church lead to war outside? No, not really. Should we be surprised that if and when faithlessness pervades the church, and the church begins to doubt as Peter doubted, that the results for the world will be catastrophic? No, we should not be. But rest assured, a pope will reveal the third secret, and a pope will consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart, as requested by Our Lady. Sometime in the relatively near future, I'll do a video on the consecrations, that have been done in order to demonstrate that they do not fulfill the request of heaven to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart. But until then, it is sufficient to know that the situation in the world today is the result of sin, both among the laity and among the hierarchy. A final note. If you wonder what you can do for, your, you for yourself, you can fulfill the other part of the message of Fatima that has been quietly suppressed. Our Lady asks that the faithful keep the five first Saturdays devotion, which I have videos on already. If people want another on it, let me know in the comments. The channel has grown considerably since I did my last video on that subject, but what is overlooked here is this, that Our Lady did not only make requests of the popes when she came in 1917, she made specific requests of the laity as well, that they keep the five first Saturdays devotion, which involves regular and specific acts of penance, and this message has been ignored to such a degree that finding a, fi a first Saturday mass is nearly impossible in many places. I know. I looked around the two dioceses in my state, and the only parishes I could find that had that liturgy were the two FSSP parishes and a single SSPX parish. I couldn't find a single Novus Ordo parish that offered the first Saturday Mass of Reparation, which isn't surprising, really. But let me know in the comments if another video on the five first Saturdays is in order. And in general, let me know your thoughts on this in the comments below. Most of the information for this video comes from Antonio Sochi's book, The Fourth Secret of Fatima, and then using that information, I went and found the homilies in question. And the text of the John Paul II homily can be found on the Sources blog, which is linked in the description. Anyway, thank you for listening, and keep praying for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.